Welcome to the Live Your Heart Out podcast, a show for wild hearts, changemakers, and soulpreneurs. Together, we dive deep into the exploration of what it means to live a meaningful life. I'm your host, Connie Bozowski, and I hope you're ready to live your magic. Wonderful. Well, I have my wonderful friend, Suki, on the line. She's in London and in Mexico. Hello, Suki. Thank you for being here today. Hi. Thank you. So good to see you. Yeah. So I'm bringing Suki on because she's pretty awesome. Number one, she's a colon hydrotherapist. And as hopefully a lot of you know, I'm a huge fan of colonics and cleaning out your gut. She's a food coach and she's also a really passionate photographer. We've done a few shoots together, actually, in Bali. I actually think we did three shoots. We did like a nudie shoot last summer. We (laughs) did four of them. Oh, yeah, true, true. Yeah. So she, yeah, she got to shoot me naked last year. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, little side Just a little extra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so Suki's super awesome. She's trained in nutrition and massage. She's doing a lot of really cool stuff. And I wanted to bring her on and talk about the gut and colonics and you know, what's the right diet. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff and see where we end up. Really? We don't really know. We'll see what happens. But I kind of want you, Suki, to introduce yourself and kind of share a little bit about how you ended up doing what you do today, doing hydrocolonic sessions and being back in London. Because we met in Bali several years ago and you lived there for quite a while. But just give us a little idea of your life and (laughs) how does someone become a hydrocolonic therapist? (laughs) Well, I became a therapist by accident. There was no way I grew up thinking, (laughs) this is what I want to do when I grow up. As a five-year-old. I I literally... Mummy, <laughs> it wasn't on my radar. And in fact, I hadn't even heard of colonics until very shortly before I had my first one. I still had no intention of. I'd recently graduated from art school, so I was, you know, an ex-art student. I had I'd been reading health books for a long time, but didn't ever think I could be a therapist of any kind. I didn't think of myself as a healer or was particularly compassionate. I was quite shy, so even dealing with clients to begin with was was quite difficult for me. Mm-hmm. But I met Gail Jacobs, who ended up teaching me. And as any, anyone who knows Gil will know that anything I'm going to say is pretty much the way that Gil lives and what he believes. Is he well known um, in like the whole? He's very well. He's like the godfather of the grandfather of colonics oh. for us. So he's based in New York still. He is a genius. He's brilliant. And since me, he's trained many, many other people. So there's a whole kind of like generation of people who are spreading the good news mm. so I met him back in 97 mm. for my first colonic knocked on the door Gil opened it and said I want to train you and I was like what I've come to have a colonic and he's like he winked and said you've got the touch we'll talk about it later no way. and I'm like who's this man we're like what the fuck? <laughs> well you've never met him and he just immediately no. said I'm gonna try no. no and I don't know I think now I think it was fortuitous, but for about three weeks prior to that, I'd been taking psyllium every day. I went to some place in London, got myself some psyllium, and read the instructions and started taking psyllium every day. So I got on the colonic table for the first time, and he's like, Man, what have you been doing? And I'm like, I just followed the instructions. <laughs> so, of course, if you know anything about psyllium, you know how intense it can be as a cleansing thing. But also what is psyllium? Psyllium's an Indian 
fiber, which swells up to 16 times its own weight in water. So if you put it in water, you stir it into the water, let it swell, and you drink that, and it goes through you as a bolus, and it will help to hydrate, cleanse, and move things through you. Got it. If it works for you. No, it doesn't work for everybody. And you can get it in a fiber form or in a husk form. The powder, sorry, the psyllium powder is much more intense, and the husk is much gentler and easier for conservation. Mm-hmm. some people it doesn't come out very easily and it gets stuck mm. but thankfully it's always worked quite well for me so my first colonic was super epic because I had so much steam coming out and he was like what is going on and I flew down the street after my first colonic I wanted to stop everyone and go go and have a colonic it's wow. gonna change your life it was really really a turning point a turning point in my own body of this is the potential of my body to feel this different yeah and up until that point, I hadn't really had any dramatic physical experiences with exercise or with doing anything else particularly. So I knew I was onto something with that. So I ended up going back to New York, training with Gil, and the rest is history. Wow. Um, so wait, yeah. let me, let's actually go back further than that. What actually brought you to the point where you started, you know, started cleansing practices and you actually started to sign up for a, a colonic session? What were, like, did you have any like physical issues or chronic oh, illnesses? I had, or? Yeah, yeah, tons. But the colonic actually, I didn't, I just was curious. I didn't have it. I wasn't squeamish or shy. I was just like, <laughs> here we go, let's do it. But I had grown up with really bad allergies say fever, asthma, bronchitis, annually, acne, all kind of basically inherited respiratory problems, period problems since I got my first period, none of which I could connect at the time to anything in particular. And the doctors don't really have any answers. They just gave medication or fobbed me off. And I remember when I was maybe 22, going to a doctor with what I thought was thrush and asking about a diet. And she said, no, it's got nothing to do with it. And no, yoga won't help you. And at the time, Yogurt was the only probiotic anyone had ever heard of. <laughs> but I, I ended up finding a book in a shop just around the corner from where I'm working now about candida, and I read it, and suddenly it's going click, 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 click. So I was already vegetarian since I was 18. Shortly after I read this book, I might have already been vegan. Started playing around with my diet and went to see an acupuncturist who said, you need to stop drinking. And I'm like, but I'm English. I'm in the pub five nights a week. You know, they're like, this, how is that possible? And at that point, I was experiencing what they would now call IBS. But back then, they hadn't invented the umbrella of IBS. So I'd be on the toilet 16 times a day, but my belly was out like I was five months pregnant. And my energy was low. And there was no solution. So I was having acupuncture. He was telling me to stop eating wheat. And what? You know. And so prior to the first colonic, I'd been experimenting and reading. I'd always understood nutritional science and understood that if you put this with this happens, there's a science in the body, there's a science outside the body, and there's a you can tie the two together. <laughs> so I'm sure I was a massive pain in the ass to all my friends who I was that person who just wanted to beat everybody with information all the time. And as soon as I had colonics as a way to express that, I left my friends alone and just used the information of my clients and stopped giving unsolicited advice, which is, yeah. as everybody knows, is really tiresome. So with colonics and changing my lifestyle and my diet, everything started to improve slowly. Yeah. Wow. And then how long did it take for you to see and feel the proper results? Oh, pretty instant. When I stopped eating wheat and carbohydrates, well, not so much carbohydrates, but flours, 
I felt considerably better. When I stopped eating eggs, my endometriosis cleared up. I cleared fibroids through diet and energy work. And so I've been through many stages of, oh, and this is the next thing, and this is the next thing. Acne cleared up when I was went completely 100% raw food vegan, mm. despite having thousands of garlics by that point and long juice fasts and cleanses and liver flushes I still had acne problems but that cleared up when I went raw and that was in London back in 2006 Mm -hmm. that for the first time in my life I had clear skin wow oh my god so I've never been dogmatic about this is the one thing I've always been very open to experiment and think well I want results if I try this what's going to happen and Mm. if I try that what's going to happen and can I get away with that not so much Mm -hmm. and this person you know if you give 10 people the same diet they will all have different colonics yeah yeah there is no one diet everyone I treated today had very different results and I gave them very different information you know like it's amazing what you have to come up with for different people's situations and problems so Mm. I've always been about the experiment rather than my poor mother. She's like, what diet are you on now? <laughs> well, I'm, try- I'm trying this because I want to see how that feels and how that works. Yes. And then, then I will use that for somebody else, that information for somebody else at some point. Yes. And it's never about following the rules as so much as, you know, and I'm older now than I was when I started and I'm, I've changed climates considerably in the last few years. And it's summer, it's pretending to be summer right now. And, I actually had some emotional resistance to stopping my winter diet, which I was really enjoying. Oh, yeah. When it warmed up, I was like, I don't want to stop my roasted vegetables. I'm really attached to this. So I go. So how does your winter diet differ from your summer diet? I was roasting a lot of broccoli, cauliflower, and eating lots of mashed sweet potato and olives and avocado. Mm-hmm. And I don't need so much fat now. It's summer. I'm hit, so now I'm having a lot more salads, more juices, drinking green tea again a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm just eating less, I guess, and mm-hmm. lighter. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Yeah. So back to the colonics, because I remember meeting you, I think it must have been maybe 2015 or 14, something like that. And I was just, this was me just getting into the whole health thing and cleansing and detox. I did my first like juicing and I think it must have been maybe February or March 2015 in Bali. And this was around the time I think I met you as well, a little bit before. And you're like, yeah, you do colonics. I was like, whoa. You know, someone who'd never been in touch with it. By that point, I had never had any experience with that. And then I had my first colonic session while I was doing the juice cleanse. And my first colonic session, obviously, not obviously, I don't know. But for me personally, it was a bit challenging. <laughs> um, you know, when you get used to... You know, obviously someone sticking a pipe in your butt and it's like, and I'd never done enemas. So I was really not in touch with anything down there. I wasn't really in touch with my gut, even though I'd got issues since I was in my early twenties. And that, I find that so fascinating by now. Like, so now more than three years later, I'm super in touch with my gut. I go and get my colonics, you know, very frequently. And yeah, it's just, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. I'm not going to become a hydroclonic therapist but I think everything is super fascinating now and I don't mind talking about poo and like all these things you know and but it's so fascinating to me that as human beings considering that our gut is like this amazing organ and it's you know what we put in is what we get out and just how disconnected we are no and so well, how do you think you're doing the work trying to get people to be more connected with their gut and I'm doing a little bit of, of my own work of spreading the word but how can people lose this 
you know, when so many people are grossed out by it. Like, what can we do? What can other people do to kind of get more in touch with their gut? That's kind of what I've been wondering because people ask me, you know, like, they're so like, ooh, about it. <laughs> well, it never stops being weird. You just get used to the weirdness. And every day I'm, I'm look, looking down, going, what am I doing? This is, I'm getting really excited when someone's having a massive release and I'm whooping yeah. and hollering and I'm like, this is just a really weird thing to do for a living. <laughs> but it's so epic because it's, yeah. it's so transformational. And you can see the shift in someone's face during the treatment or after the treatment. You know, they've got colour in their cheeks and their eyes are shiny and they're standing taller and... So I don't think it's so much that people need to, I would say start with enemas because self-practice is really important. I'm never going to be pushing colonics over anything else. I'd say just do whatever it takes to take care of yourself on a regular basis. And it needs to be a regular basis. Whatever you do consistently is what works. Mm. You don't do something once a year or once every five years. You do things consistently and and then you see the results, Mm -hmm. whether it's colonics or enemas or fasting or just doing some kind of detox. Mm. Then you see the results. But I think the biggest thing that stops people really taking it seriously is thinking, and I remember this woman saying this to me, really sad, a long time ago, she said, oh, I'm fine down there. And she's got a glass of wine in one hand and a packet of crisps in the other. And she ended up having really big problems conceiving her children. And I think she's recently had a hysterectomy. You were never fine down there. No, we're not. Because people don't understand that there's the osmosis that works between the uterus and the ovaries and your colon. Everything impacts it. You know, we're one system. Yes. That what you're putting in you is going to affect your ability to conceive and have a healthy pregnancy, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're constipated, and going to the toilet three times a week is constipated. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. The doctors will tell people that it's okay to just go three times a week. Those women will have hysterectomies and it was avoidable. So wow. just because everyone else is doing something that looks normal and that we've got used to doing as part of our cultural habits, whether it's alcohol or food or lack of exercise or whatever it is, just because your body's surviving doesn't mean you're thriving and doesn't mean you can't change something. And so it's that mindset of I'm fine, or I've been vegetarian this long, I'm going to be okay. Or if someone is truly thriving, awesome, just keep Mm. thriving, keep doing what you're doing. But these days that's, that's uncommon. It's rare. I mean, we don't know how sick we are or how, what a low frequency our body is performing until we are healthy sort of thing. You know, I didn't know. So before I did my first juice cleanse, I didn't know how much potential energy I had in my body until I did the juice cleanse. And then I did the juice cleanse and I had my first three or four colonic session in that week. And I was like, oh my God, I was freaking out because I was like, I got all this energy. Where's this coming from? I was, you know, 30 years old or something. And I'd never known that this was in my body, that this was actually my energetic potential. And I think that's with so many people, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if someone wanted to get started with enemas, how would they go about that? They'd order an enema bag, watch some YouTube videos. There's some really funny videos out there (laughs) of how to do an enema. Take some quiet time, be comfortable, be warm, don't be in a hurry and try one at home. Have some coconut oil maybe ready and stick it in. (laughs) Yeah. The important thing is to be relaxed and not to be in a hurry. Just not be worrying about someone walking on you to... Mm to have a book or just to chill, you know? Yeah. And then not think, Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Cause there really, really isn't no wrong. You just keep doing it. Mm. 
And yeah. I'm not really good at enemas, but I still do them. I mean, my body's really wired for colonics now, not so much enemas, but they're still beneficial regardless. Can you maybe, now that we're talking about the both, what are the benefits of either? Or like, why is one better than the other? Or what are the differences? So an enema is self-administered at home. It's generally a two-liter bag, depending on which country you're in. We happen to have really good enema bags in England. One thing we do really well. <laughs> and you hang up the bag on the wall on a hook or on a door handle or somewhere that's about three or four foot above you. You'd lie down on the floor and you'd stick a small pipe up your bottom, take in water, take in as much as you can, hold it for as long as you can, and then jump on the loo, toilet, release, and then repeat if necessary. I do know some people who can take in a whole bag, hold it for 15, 20 minutes, let go in one go. Never be able to do that. I don't predict that ever happening. So I just keep going until I've got through two, two to four liters of water. And then you feel at some point during that, you'll feel a shift or you'll smell something that feels really mm -hmm. rank. And then you know that you've got the poison out. Mm -hmm. And with that poison, you feel a clarity in your face or your brain clears or there's some kind of other side mm -hmm. effect. Do you move around when you do animals as you're holding the water in? No, I just lie. I just lie there. You lie there. I mean, I might do headstands or not headstands, shoulder stands or something. Yeah, just but a water moving a little bit. You know, Hillary yeah. in Thailand. Hillary hit. Yeah. yeah. So I've done because I've done a few retreats with her, and oh, she yeah. taught me how to do enemas. Actually, she also recommends doing. She calls it yoga lonics or something. So she came up with like all these yoga poses, asanas that you can do while you're doing the enema. So to get the water moving and stuff like that. So that like well, I tend to actually, and it's the same as I do within colonics, I tend to massage and breathe into the space I'm breathing into. So a large part of my colonics that I give to people is getting them to breathe in certain places in their bodies to unlock tension and stress. Mm -hmm. And so there's a big relationship between stress and emotions and the belly. Yeah. Totally. So I'm not really jumping around so much as breathing and massaging i have one spot on my body i can just do my whole colonic from pretty much so i i'm breathing into that and, mm. you know trying to ease that out yeah that's a good um, point cool yeah. i mean and people then, can turn on to either sides and get the water moving mm -hmm. and then with the colonics colonics can you just give us a little intro to that well i practice gravity colonics which is a five gallon tank that's on the wall and it the water is it's very simple it was the water comes down through a small tube into the speculum, which is in the bottom, and then straight out, there's another tube comes straight out into the waste pipe. The gravity system, I understand, was invented by the Germans, and then the Americans ran with it, as often happens. <laughs> and the machine colonics, which are quite different, and I don't practice, I think was an American invention. And it's, in my mind, not as effective and not as successful. Oh, so there's different, like, hydrocolonic machines. Yeah, so there's the gravity, which is... Real old school, basic, simple tank and tubes and very simple setup. And then the machines involve electricity and lights and knobs and dials. And mm. once you've bought a machine, you're tied in to that company to get their products from them. Oh, got it. And then the Australians invented a thing called the Libby system. I think it's the Libby, where you, it's kind of like a giant purpose built plastic bed, which you lie on and you kind of poo down a hole into a. Oh, yeah, I heard about that as well. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of flashy. Mm -hmm. Again, if you know what you're doing and you know how to breathe, they're all going to work. But I think the gravity gets better and quicker results. Mm -hmm. And then you as a therapist, do you do massages? Do you massage the start of the... Yeah, belly. The 
Yeah, because not everybody does. Because I just had, I just came down here from California and I had a few sessions in LA. And I'm used to, you know, the clinic sessions in Bali where they go all in, or like oh, in Thailand as well. It's like, and so that's what I was used to. And then she just kind of tickled a little bit. And then she came with the, one of those massage. But the vibrating thing. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to call it, like a big vibrator. <laughs> yeah. Vibrating and, pad or something. Yeah, it's just like this long. Yeah whatever and she used that a little bit on my stomach and on my legs and that's all she did and I was a little bit confused I was like when is the massage going down and I mean it was still a good sessions and everything but I felt like the massage really really helps to support moving you know, mm. whatever's in there huh? yeah mm. well there's reflex spots on the legs so if you just certain spaces in the thighs that if someone's having a hard time to release you can squeeze the spaces in your thighs and it can help to release Right. I've never used a vibrating pad. I'm sure they're... I feel but like... But I would I, say that if you know that something works for you, you can take charge of your own colonic and say, do you mind if I massage myself? Yeah, and, true. And just, I need to do this. And you can breathe into your own... Huh. Um, check your own breathing and do it yourself. Interesting. Yeah, I think they might have also some... They have different regulations, I think, also in the States. So, for example, you have to put the pipe in yourself. Like, she has her hand on it, too, but you have to basically be the one putting it in, which is something, mm. yeah, that's like a regulation or something that they have that I never heard of before. But I just realized today that I have a putting the pipe in face that I pull when I'm doing it every time. <laughs> when I end up with it, I hope the wind doesn't change. <laughs> and no one gets to see it, thankfully. It's <laughs> a very private face. But I just want to say for everyone who is interested in trying it out is that it's all sounds maybe a little bit daunting and whatever, but I remember my very first session so vividly and it really turned out to be not as bad as I thought it would be. It's not painful. I mean, there are some moments maybe as you're releasing some really old stuff. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know. <laughs> well, it's not so much that it's painful. It's firstly, it's really weird to poo when you're lying down on a table in front of somebody that's weird so that's you have to be willing to relax and let go mm-hmm. and some people do worry about making a mess on the table it so rarely happens it's really not worth worrying about really mm. I can only think of two messy colonics ever that I've had to deal with and they were very unique diets and body types mm-hmm. it's really not common and secondly it doesn't ever really feel any worse than that feeling you get when you need to poo so if you think that this is really just the same feeling but normally I'm in charge because I'm either on the loo already or I'm on the way there mm-hmm. it's the same feeling of that I need to go feeling yeah. or, or that feeling of it's like a slight nausea that waves up you as you're going and then mm. once you've gone you're like oh, that was a good one it's, that, it's the same feeling it's just that you're having more of them yeah in during this session right yeah it does feel like a little bit like you have diarrhea and you just kind of have to run to the toilet but you don't because you're lying there and it's just coming out yeah, and you've got gas bubbling out and yeah, you know, stuff's moving and you're like, oh, I had no idea this was so active in here. <laughs> yeah, true. And that there's so much stuff inside, really. Yeah. Because the oh, colon yeah. is full, always. Unbelievable. I remember, I mean, each time I did the water fast with Hillary in Thailand, you know, you don't eat for a whole week. I mean, it's all just liquids and it's not juices. It's just coconut water and water. And, and I would always have one proper hydroclonic session at the end with this Thai guy in the back of this massage place, like a bit sketchy, but he's the man. And <laughs> then after a whole week of not eating and end of doing 
enemas every morning, coffee enemas, I still had so much stuff coming out after a week. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, like, every time I was just like, this is impossible. How is there still so much stuff in my gut, you know? <sighs> yeah. Like what we carry around and like also, I mean, some of the stuff, right, has been there for years and years. Like yeah. craziness. Even after an epic clinic where you've had six foot's worth of solid poo coming out, the minute you're leaving the building, it's filling up again. Mm. It's really not empty for very long because the body doesn't stop. Yeah. All your organs are processing constantly, blood, dead blood cells, blood gases are a big thing. Everything is continuing all the time. The colon is just trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how that all works, really. I just wish we would learn so much more about our colon and, and how that all works in school, you know, and but we don't. So here's people like you doing. doing well, that. that's changing now, thankfully. The big news in the last month was that Parkinson's science has now proved that Parkinson's is connected to the colon. Mm. So Parkinson's disease begins in the colon. It's wow. due to long-term constipation so now that that's become fact mm-hmm. people might start taking colon health more seriously mm. and that doesn't involve just taking a probiotic that means cleansing and changing the diet and yeah. Yeah. taking serious steps to prevent uh, yeah. diseases yeah. well i mean considering the state my gut was in the last couple of years and also the really intense a lot of depressive phases that I've gone through in and out ever since I started healing my gut and doing a few other things but man I haven't had a whole lot of depression since and like even just the brain gut connection right is full on Mm -hmm. and so many people taking antidepressants rather than cleaning out their gut and cleaning up their diet and I don't know man it just can't get my head around it just how little aware people are still so while we're talking about that so what are the real benefits of doing these hydroclonic sessions? Why are they so damn awesome? Apart from the fact that when you do them and, and you're done and you walk away, you're like, oh my goodness, I feel amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. So what sort of conditions that people have or how, what exactly are they doing to... Well, at any one point, the colon can contain putrefaction and fermentation. Fermentation is sugars and alcohol. Putrefaction is meat rotting. Those two things rotting individually and together create gases the blood gases build up the gases create airlocks nothing can move through those airlocks so your body gets bigger and bigger and you're like everyone has knows what it feels like to feel bloated Mm -hmm. when those two elements this is just very simple when those two things meet it creates havoc and it's very difficult to feel normal to have a clear brain to think clearly to to stay healthy because that creates cravings whatever's in you what is like a magnet wanting more of the same Mm. and it kills me there's a few people i follow on instagram who are sober they've been alcohol free for however long but they eat candy all the time and Mm. i'm watching going that is fermenting inside you you think you're not drinking but actually you've got a still you've got a a factory going on in there creating alcohol because you're having so much sugar Mm. it's a great story of a woman in utah who was raised mormon had never drunk in her life and got arrested for drunk driving because she ate so much candy that her body was creating alcohol. Wow. So whereas the person next to her can eat the same amount of candy and not be creating alcohol. You know, it's so individual. So the things that rot inside us create disease, basically, and they back up into our systems, they store throughout the body, and the body will at all times do its best to keep us safe, to protect the most important organs, which is going to be the heart, the lungs, and deposit where it's safer to deposit, which will be your belly or your thighs, or then will be 
between your lesser organs. And over time, they calcify and they will congeal, blood flow stops, oxygen doesn't reach those places, and those places will die and become cancerous, simply. Yep, that's a pretty good kind simple... Like uh, <laughs> and or metals and meat. So they found in Alzheimer's autopsies proteins in the brain. Wow. Meat, meat proteins in the brain. Oh, shit. People don't understand the connection with how everything oh, is is circulating so by keeping all of that out your body has a chance to basically we're overtaxing or expecting too much from our systems in terms of natural elimination and and self-cleaning we can't keep up because we're walking on concrete and we're breathing polluted air and we're surrounded by electricity and things that nature didn't really equip us for yet we haven't adapted yet Mm -hmm. people think we've adapted for it but we haven't our bodies haven't changed in millions of years so depending on where you think we came from so this is just one thing to do to yeah to help detoxify the body to stay sane yeah and to stay sane yeah. how often do you recommend that people do colonic sessions how often do you do them well i was having a conversation with my best friend about this and she was saying oh honey i can't have colonics because i'm not eating right i'm like but that's exactly why you need to be having colonics because you're not eating right because colonics will help you to get back on track but also you can't expect your body to be dealing with your not right diet yeah. better than it would deal with your more cleansing diet so I got all kind of <laughs> passionate about colonics and I'm like you know what this is it this is how it is one colonic a month for life mm-hmm. no matter what you eat that would be a good that, that would be awesome frequency <laughs> oh my god because it's amazing to have to cleanse once a year and to have several colonics and do a fast or whatever you want to do as your annual upkeep but the more regular ones mm-hmm. i would say are more yeah. beneficial i mean if you think about it you know we go and get our hair cut we go and get pedicures we go and get massages so you might as well just do a monthly colonic session right exactly <laughs> Yeah, having osteopathy. And I think having the other body work is really important as well to, to tie in together. So if you can combine massage and clinics, mm-hmm. osteopathy and clinics, network chiropractic, whatever your chosen modality, as long, along with exercise and your wax and your haircut, like you take care of your car, you know? Yeah. Like you have other important things serviced. I get my camera cleaned. I yeah. need to clean the body at the same time you know? yeah no absolutely i fully agree and also for the ones that might not be able to maybe afford a monthly hydroclonic session but like we mentioned earlier that nms are a great way to get started and so but that's you could awesome. also set up colonic a colonic unit in your own house a kalima board which yeah. is oh, um, yeah. awesome though once you bought a kalima board it looks like a small surfboard it's mm-hmm. probably 300 bucks mm-hmm. you've got that for life Mm. Your whole family can use one cleaner board. You know, it's not over time that's very affordable. Cool. Yeah, I'll put all of this information into the show notes so people can go and research more. But that's a really good idea. You can actually build your own sort of like clinic station. Yeah, and we all help people build clinics. I mean, if I've got a client who's really into clinics, I'm like, you can do this at home. I'll teach you how to treat yourself. Mm. You can do this at home. You can. We'll teach your whole family. You can all treat yourselves. Oh wow! So um, you teach that? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, cool. Sure. I don't want people to be dependent on me. I want right. everyone to be able to take care of themselves, however they best see yeah, fit. Yeah, and empower yeah. them. So also, because you touched on it, and, and also to shift gears a little bit, because like you said, it's not enough to just go and get your monthly clonic session or do an EMAS or whatever, and while you have a shitty diet. Like, if there's no point in doing all that or taking all the pills, 
while whatever you put in your body is still crap and processed food and lots of meat and whatever. So if people want to start sort of transitioning or maybe they want to transition to a veggie or vegan diet, how could they start? And what do you think about those that are like, oh, I'm just drinking a detox tea and taking these detox tablets? Don't get me started on the detox teas. Oh my God. There's this range of detox teas in the shops here for £20 for a box. Wow. And there's a new one called Skinny Coffee. And I'm like, are you serious? Oh my goodness. The best thing is to have fresh vegetable juice and a salad every day. That's it. That's it. Bring The more good stuff you bring in, the less space there is for the bad stuff. The bigger your juice, the bigger your salad, the less space there is for the density. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing by consuming a fresh green salad is layering your stomach, providing enzymes, and using that food as a colon broom to help sweep through. Mm-hmm. So it's changing the ratios of the food. If people are having a large plate of carbohydrates or proteins and fats and a side salad, so have a large salad and have a handful of something dense. Change the ratio of your diet. Mm-hmm. And then your body starts to feel really good and you kind of know that that's the way you want to go. Mm. What if people say, oh, I can't eat raw food, I can't have too much salad because I get a stomach ache. You know these people? Yeah, I know these people. They're generally <laughs> having the wrong kind of salads. Uh, like not everything suits everybody i'm i'm gonna bloat on some things i don't like to have fruit in my salads or dried fruit so much and some people think that a salad involves cold pasta and chicken that's not a salad that's a cold pasta chicken dish. <laughs> so let's be clear i'm talking about like when i eat romaine i'm gonna eat the whole lettuce yeah i'm gonna eat half a bag of spinach i'm gonna eat some rocket i'm gonna eat leafy greens i do like my fats quite a lot so I'm going to make it so everything's going to taste good. I like to eat tahini. And so I'm not depriving myself of, or any would suggest anyone deprive themselves of pleasure and sensation and taste and the experience of eating. It's mm-hmm. like, what do your taste buds like? How do you feel satisfied? How do you make a salad that feels and tastes incredible? Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm just a big fan of like, I don't know how you want to call them, but just like bowls or these Buddha bowls or something where it's a nice mix of, I do like a bit of grain, like brown rice, maybe some quinoa, and then having my spinach or my arugula, whatever, and a few raw veggies in there. And then also maybe a couple of not necessarily cooked veggies. Like I don't want them to be dead. Like that's the thing, right? I do want them to be crunchy. Alive. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, I'm also still healing my gut from IBS and SIBO and everything. So I need to be a little bit careful. I can't eat everything super raw, but you know, just like put in the pan a little bit, a little bit of olive oil just to help with digesting it in my gut and then having a nice mix of raw veggies and a little bit of grains and then a little bit of uh, not fried, but how do you call them? Like, roasted or or just yeah and so and that works really well for me and just having a mix like that really helps the difference between that's all health that's all awesome food people either think the raw food is just eating carrot sticks and chopped tomatoes which you know shoot me now that's not going to happen or they're going out and eating raw desserts which is Mm. these days is better but can be dried fruits and nuts and they're like a gut bomb not ideal so you're better off having a steamed sweet potato than having a raw dessert yeah yeah, true. Yeah. That. So if you're cleansing too fast and you're having too much raw food, then I would always go with a steamed sweet potato or squash. Mm, slow it down. Steamed that's what I was looking yeah. at. Yeah. So it's, I always, you know, I never run out steamed sweet potatoes these days. Always have them in the fridge. Mm, oh man, yeah. Sweet potato, like sweet potato, carrot, coconut, ginger soup. <laughs> that's really good. It's more a focus on clean plant based foods rather than a label of what your diet is. 
Exactly. And we talked about this briefly before our interview is that, you know, how a lot of people that are transitioning from being carnivores to uh, being vegetarian or vegan. And then just because you say eating vegan doesn't mean anything in terms of the level of healthy stuff that you're eating, right? And so a lot of people eat a lot of Satan or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, and in London right now, it's cupcakes. Okay. So what, <laughs> vegan what, what cupcakes because they're healthy. Yeah. So what people are doing is they're getting stuck in the transition phase and they're not coming out of it because it's probably better than slightly better than it was what they were eating before. Yeah. Or psychologically, they think they deserve a treat because they're now vegan. They think because they gave up milk and dust, they need a vegan cupcake. Maybe not. Because if it's still got refined sugar in it, just because it's vegan doesn't mean your body knows it any different. So it doesn't process it any differently. So I went to a vegan festival recently and I was absolutely horrified by what I saw there. It was just uh-huh. tables laden with sugary filled cookies, like giant cookies this big, filled uh-huh. with cream, vegan cream. And brownies and muffins and pies and cakes and pastries and Jesus and it's all wheat it's like these are this is still ground these are still grains so as any treat it's a treat not something to get stuck on and eating replacement foods is not the end objective it's a transition what do you think about Satan? and people don't even know what it is I think it's evil but I've never liked it I've never never got into it I don't know. We have so much access to so many incredible foods now that we didn't have when I first started. When I went gluten-free, there was no replacement food. I just stopped eating gluten and I ate hummus and carrot sticks for two years kind of thing. And And now there's all this. So many incredible options. I mean, we didn't have chia seeds back then or quinoa or I just discovered snow fungus, you know, I'm like, okay, what can I do with this? (laughs) What is snow fungus? It's a Chinese mushroom. So I was talking to a client about foods and how I missed noodles and having us and making a sauce to put a noodle. She said, you, you need to try snow fungus. It's basically comes as a dried white mushroom. You soak it, it's it, stunning. And then you cook it briefly and then you add a sauce and it absorbs it like it's rice noodles. Oh, wow. But without the density of carbohydrates, but it's meant to be good for your skin. It's good for your lungs. It's, it's one of these medicinal foods. Mm, Super wow. cheap in Chinatown. Mm. Where has this been all my life? I know, so many amazing things around these days. But like you were saying, you know, even just because it's vegan, just because there's no egg in it or butter in it or whatever dairy doesn't make it any better, especially when it's full of gluten and sugar. And even if it's vegan and gluten-free, then they put in extra amounts of sugar, I feel like. And then, because I just spent three months in California and there are now more and more options that are vegan, gluten-free and sugar-free. It's that's wow. what's happening. <laughs> I know yeah. it's it's a lot, but in the end, it's I don't know. It's, yeah. Anyway, so obviously being. But if half of the ingredients in that are then going to be corn, exactly. So it, you and, know. What, and what are the oils? It's like I applaud the inventiveness of these chefs and what people are creating is really exciting. But yeah, and people don't know, look behind that, right? They don't really ask, like, so what's actually in it, or you know. And don't get me wrong, I want to try all this stuff because I'm excited to try things, but it's also not part of my daily diet. It's not, I I eat much more simply than that. Well, I used to be super sugar addicted and I think getting off of sugar is one of the hardest things ever. (laughs) And why is it so hard? It's the drug. (laughs) It's the drug, yeah. But also if it's in your body, you want more of it. Mm. I mean, I remember going into work one day, this is years ago, and I used to work in a 
do colonics with a storage room for the shop behind my room and there was a chocolate store back there. There was literally thousands of bars of chocolate and I'd be sitting there giving a colonic. It's like going, I want to crawl through that wall and grab a bar. And then I'd give myself a colonic and three days later go, oh yeah, that really strong craving I had, it just went, you know, completely gone because I'd removed it from myself. Well, I also, I think in my case, it was a mix of just general lifelong addiction to it habit and you know I had parasites I had some candida like I had everything that loves sugar in my gut alive and mm -hmm. I don't know and yeah man I had a really epic colonic session in Bali before I left in January do you know Betty she's in uh, Seminyak no she's a really good hydroclonic therapist and she's from Java but she's been doing colonics for like 20 years or something and I'm like how like amazing so I went to her because I've been on my protocol to heal my IBS and SIBO and then and I had some stomach pain just before I got on the plane the day before and so I went and then man we had all those dead parasites coming out it was amazing <laughs> that was amazing and since then I feel like ever since seeing my gut um I got less sugar cravings I still really like it, but it's, yeah, I feel like I got it under control now. I try to keep my diet like 80, 90% really awesome. And then obviously there's the occasional fuck up and you know, <laughs> whatever, but I all, as clean and plant, I mean, I'm fully plant-based and everything, but as clean as I try to keep it every day, I don't want to call them cheat days, but I, I know exactly what I'm doing when I'm getting a vegan non-gluten-free cake <laughs> with a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> and usually I also pay for it afterwards yeah it's pretty much guaranteed <laughs> it's pretty much guaranteed brain fog you know loss of energy all of that and i think yeah, anytime i hear myself thinking i can get away with that mate no you can't yeah, just, you can't. just don't just don't <laughs> and you know i think also i guess the older we get and the more connected we are to our bodies whatever through meditation and yoga and just generally more connected to ourselves we become more sensitive and then we just don't want to give it shit anymore Like, I just don't want yeah. to. Like, I really like feeling awesome and having a lot of energy every day, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. having nice skin and stuff like that. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Wonderful. So, maybe, like, just to kind of scratch on this for a little bit before we kind of finish up is that I get this question asked a lot. So, how, you know, I want to do a fast. I want to detox. How do I start? And like we just mentioned, detox teas are not the way to go. But what's a good way that people can do a fast or detox at home? Or is it necessary to consult with a professional or maybe go on a retreat? Or what do you suggest? Yeah, if you can go on a retreat, do it. If you can do it with a friend, whether it's at home or just someone who you can check in with every day, do it. Because it makes so much difference if you have someone to share that experience with. And if it's your first time particularly. I mean, and all the, the deepest retreats and fasts I've done have been with friends. Mm. one time a few of us just went out to my mom and dad's house when they were away and we just juice fasted for five days and then we all came away going that was the most profound experience we've had yet because we had our own schedule we juiced when we wanted to we went to the market and got trays of produce and we were doing yoga to rock music and it was like this will be slept when we wanted to sleep there was no schedule or program but if you're in an environment where you're supported and you're nurtured and people are teaching you good information that's just that's ideal mm. if not There's probably online groups you can join, people mm. doing them as well. If it's the first time, this it's a lot of new stuff and your body's going to go through new stuff and you're going to panic and think you're dying because you're hungry. You know, you're like, I'm hungry. I don't know how to get through this the next yeah. hour. You know, this is intense. <laughs> how do you get through it? And your blood sugar might crash. I just, 
I drink more juice. Mm. I drink enough juice so that I feel satiated for that however long it takes, which may mean that I'm fine for the next five or six hours. Mm. Yeah, that's but true. But I don't, I don't skimp on the juice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my first juice fast in Bali, I drank a whole lot of juice and I was surprised that I actually never really properly felt hungry. It wasn't that feeling of hungriness, it was more that my stomach was so used to having stuff in there that was hard to digest and yeah. was busy doing that and working on that. And now it wasn't. And that, that was a feeling to get used to. I, yeah. I felt like. You can get emotional and cranky and yeah. obsessed with foods. You know, like one day you're obsessing about one thing, the next day it's the next thing. And when you finish the first, you forget about them completely because you've moved through that, but it's what's coming out of your cells. You know? Yeah. So generally you recommend if someone wants to do a detox or fast, like do a proper juice, a green juice fast, not fruit, but veggies. Well, um, no, actually for the, someone's first time, they, and incorporating fruit would help. Mm. Not tons of fruit, but half an apple, half a pear. Mm-hmm. It needs to taste good for people to st- to want to stick with it, unless they're really, really disciplined. Mm-hmm. And just try it. You yeah. don't need to start and jump into a seven day program. Just try one day. Try two days. Well, I mean, there's now also I think in many many countries the option like companies that supply you with fresh juices every day, especially in like the bigger cities. I know that that's happening in Germany as well now. In places like yeah. Bali or Thailand or whatever, it's super easy because they bring it to your doorstep and put it in your fridge every day and it's very affordable. But Or you do it yourself, no? Just get a juicer. Yeah, I would say to everyone, get a juicer. Have a juicer, no excuses. <laughs> juice every day, regardless. Yeah, I try to get my green juice in every day, at least one. Yeah. Just because it's awesome. Well, Suki, so you offer online coaching. Obviously, you do hydroponic sessions. You're in London. So if anyone's listening and is in London or in the area, go and see Suki in person, live. And then you also do online sessions. Is that correct? What do you yes. help people with? I help people with whatever they need, pretty much. Food coaching, health coaching. In person, I do kitchen clearing, healthy shopping, talking them through. It's so individualized. The information people absorb and mm-hmm. what they need to have repeated mm-hmm. and what makes sense to some people and not to others. So it's very customized. Mm-hmm. process generally i have done programs where i go into people's homes and fast with them or put them through a five or seven day juice fast but i'm not doing that at the moment but i could help them set up to do that mm-hmm. kind of make a program for them for that cool and then also if people want to take advantage of your photography skills which they should oh yeah okay is an amazing <laughs> photographer also actually you know <laughs> how does that work for you because you're so passionate about these two things about colonics and you know the colon and photography and how do you bring those two together in your life I don't feel like I'm doing it very successfully honestly they're two very different parts of my brain (laughs) and neither part ever stops and I feel like when I'm doing too much photography my business slips my client business slips and then when I'm focusing on health I'm really mentally active and I love it and I'm writing researching and I'm I never stop listening to podcasts I'm always kind of trying to keep up to date with whatever's happening or whatever's going on out there. And then I'm sharing that information with people, which feels like I'm doing, this is here what I'm meant to be doing. But then the creativity also never stops. So I have no idea how to get the balance right, honestly. 
I'm fucking up every day. <laughs> I love it though, how you know you have these two callings and you somehow try to make well, like, I have these two Instagram accounts and I'm posting completely different things on both of them. Like I have a personality. This is crazy. Oh gosh, I can imagine. Yeah. It's challenging. But like today I was in a photography shop and it, that had this most incredible collection of stuff, and then I'm coming home and cooking and taking photographs of food. <laughs> this this sums up my day. <laughs> Uh, I think it's awesome so where can people find you Suki online thecolonwhisperer.com thecolonwhisperer.com and Instagram what's the best way to find you there thecolonwhisperer also Mm -hmm. and what about your photography sukizoe.com and sukizoe okay cool I'll put all the links in the show notes thank you (laughs) go and get in touch with Suki and yeah thank you so much for this this has been a lot of fun Thank you. Thanks for your time. And I hope I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye.